0: You ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling
1: the truth and you should not be trusted. Congressman
0: Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be
1: offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republican. Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. The news in Portland is death with apparently a Trump supporter dying in the violence and the riots there. Here's the latest. One person is dead from a shooting in downtown Portland last night. At the same time, we saw violent clashes
2: around the city between supporters of President Trump and counter-protesters. This was the scene at Southwest 3rd and Alder. Homicide detectives were there most of the night, and they say the victim was shot in the chest.
1: Here's my hot take. There are many places on the planet Earth where political violence is necessary, where people will not achieve freedom as the consequence of the United States sending our best, but will in fact need to summon their own best to fight and yes, even at times die for the chance to live free and for politics. America is not a place where people need to be dying because of their politics, because of riots, because of, of this type of just straight up destruction. And so whether that violence comes from the right or the left, uh, I condemn it universally. America is the greatest country on earth and we do not need to see our fellow Americans dying in the streets like this. But Portland isn't the only place seeing the incitement of violence. Listen to what a Black Lives Matter leader, a leader of this group, is saying to an organized group on the streets of Washington, D.C. Shocking stuff.
2: I'm at the point where I'm ready to put these police in the fucking grave. I'm at the point where... I wanna burn the fucking White House down. I wanna take it to the senators. I wanna take it to the Congress. I wanna take the fight to them. And at the end of the day, if they ain't gonna hear us, we burn them the fuck down. I'm one that talk real shit. I talk it in New York and I talk it in DC. The same way I police up in New York, I cops up here in D.C. The same way I bust police in the head in New York, I bust police in the head in D.C. Now, it's a lot of people, and I'm gonna be honest, it's a lot of people that's on this front line. And one of the things that I always say, don't get on this fing front line if you ain't gonna fing fight. Don't get on this front line if you ain't gonna take no hit. Don't get on this front line when the police can push up, you push back. If you going to be on this front line and the racist ass, nasty ass punk ass f-ing police is pushing up, you push the fuck up.
1: Put cops in their graves, burn down our country, our leaders. And here's what America needs to know. The big businesses in this country, the corporations, the Left-wing billionaires who are funding the Black Lives Matter movement are funding this rhetoric on our streets. So in this machine that they have concocted, the inputs are the millions and millions and millions of donations that you know you have seen from corporate America, some of the biggest companies in our country. Then the process is what you hear in these chants and in these really left-wing calls for attacks against America, her leaders, her law enforcement, her people. And then the outcome is what you see in Portland, where, you know, and, and, and frankly, we're seeing those outcomes in Kenosha as well, where Americans are in the streets in unsafe, uncertain interactions with one another. At times, those interactions are leading to murder and death. And this is not the consequence of you know, Donald Trump's presidency, this is consequence of tolerance for this type of conduct in liberal Democrat run cities and states. You know, if this were happening in the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis would shut it down. If this were happening in the state of Texas, Governor Abbott would shut it down. But it's happening in places where I think you've got some Democrat mayors and some Democrat governors who think it will help politically to turn America into a place of violence leading up to the election where Donald Trump will be on the ballot. They hope that that will inflame people uh, in their politics. But it's not worth seeing our fellow Americans die. It's not worth this type of very dangerous rhetoric funded by left wing billionaires in corporate America, like you heard on the streets of Washington, DC. I condemn all of it. I think that we should unify as a country to solve problems to beat the coronavirus, to rebuild our economy, to redomesticate manufacturing, to become more resilient against China, and then to execute a foreign policy that ensures that we are able to invest our treasure and our best people in American greatness. That sounds a lot better than what you're hearing in Kenosha, in Portland, and on the streets of Washington, DC. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was on Meet the Press expressing the frustration that the Trump administration has with these local officials who, by consequence of their weakness, their bad decisions, uh, their, I think, misunderstanding of the riots going on in their communities, are really making it hard to work together to create safety and law and order. Listen to just a portion of the interview.
0: We've had over 97 federal uh Uh, law enforcement uh, arrests that were conducted in Portland, but largely the DA there there in Portland, Chuck, you know, he says, even if you accost a police officer, we're not going to enforce that. It's just not what uh, most Americans believe should be happening in our cities.
1: Refusing to prosecute people who assault the police, refusing to enforce the law just because you've got some sympathy with the protesters, That is not an appropriate use of prosecutorial discretion. If someone attacks or assaults the police, they ought to face the consequences. That is how we ensure that we continue to have good people willing to engage in the profession of policing to make our neighborhoods and our communities and our country safe. Democrats are very concerned about the bump that Republicans seem to be getting as a consequence of not only our convention, but the Democrats' convention as well. And while I can't get into too much politics on our podcast, I can share that the greatest increases for the president have been among African-American men. That is where we have really seen a surge lately. Uh, I think that the Commentary from Vernon Jones, from Herschel Walker, from Jack Brewer at the convention really cut through the normal back and forth of politics that we see at these things. And I think a lot of African-American men are uh, wanting to, you know, get the benefit of the economic progress our country has seen under President Trump. I think, it, I think that it speaks directly to a kitchen table issue when you're talking about people's job. And their progress and their wages. And that is what I think was pretty effectively accomplished. So what does the Biden campaign do in in response? They trot out Cedric Richmond, a national co-chair of the Biden campaign, a House Democrat, a leader in the Congressional Black Caucus. And he just straight up lies to the American people on Meet the Press. Listen to Congressman Richmond here.
2: I think now uh, black men see clearly what they have to lose. They can get killed in the president won't say a word, won't utter Jacob Blake's name, will not talk about uh, police reform.
1: Now listen to what he said there. The president won't talk about police reform. That is a lie. President Trump has signed multiple executive orders uh, to try to enhance the best type of policing within our communities. And, and I just want to talk about one such change in policy the president talked about and the president led, and it related to chokeholds in A lot of these various grant proposals that are submitted by local police departments, there is discretion for the agencies of the federal government to rank what grants to offer. And the Trump administration, I think very wisely, didn't do a national ban, didn't do something that uh, would stifle innovation, would uh, stop the research that's going on about different types of constraints, and we've talked about those on the podcast. But what he did was he said that if you are a local police department and you want to apply for one of these federal grants, you're going to get priority if you've done your homework, if you've implemented the research, if you've got policies that create de-escalation rather than the type of environment that would create a chokehold. Here's the president talking about this when he implemented the executive order. What's needed
0: now is not more stoking of fear and division. We need to bring law enforcement and communities closer together, not to drive them apart. Under the executive order I'm signing today, we will prioritize federal grants from the Department of Justice to police departments that seek independent credentialing, certifying that they meet high standards, and in fact, in certain cases, the highest standard, that's where they do the best, on the use of force and de-escalation training. As part of this new credentialing process, choke calls will be banned except if an officer's life is at risk. We will provide more resources for co-responders such as social workers who can help officers manage these complex encounters. We will have reform without undermining our many great and extremely talented law enforcement officers.
1: So there's the president talking about policing reform, working on policing reform, Senator Tim Scott working on policing reform, and Cedric Richmond realizing that the Biden campaign is sagging in support among African-American males willing to go out on Meet the Press and lie to the country. It's really shameful because you know what? There's a lot of stuff we agree on. We should not have no-knock warrants. Why won't Nancy Pelosi put a bill on the floor, put the Breonna Taylor Act on the floor to end no-knock warrants? I would vote for it. And by the way, you know who has the companion bill? Senator Rand Paul. So you've got Republicans willing to engage in reforms, but they don't want the police reform. They want the issue. And that's what's so insidious about Cedric Richmond's interview. If Democrats really wanted solutions, they would take these various provisions that have been workshopped in committee, that have been worked on for years by Senator Tim Scott, and put them up for a vote. Some will pass, some will fail. But I think a bunch of them would get signed into law, and our country would be a better place. But they're willing to accept policing that isn't as good, policies that aren't as good, so that Cedric Richmond and others like him in the Biden camp are able to go out and lie to the American people on television. And you know what? The lies aren't working. The truth is cutting through. Herschel Walker, Vernon Jones... Jack Brewer, so many others, Tito Ortiz recently out there talking about uh, the benefits of the Trump presidency to so many different groups of Americans. And I think that positivity will ultimately prevail. And then hopefully, we could actually work on some of the things that will improve policing for everyone. Six percent. That's the number that's been trending. The CDC releasing information that only six percent of the deaths from coronavirus were not linked with some other comorbidity. We've talked on the podcast before about how respiratory comorbidities are impactful to uh, the acuity level of someone's health condition if they contract the coronavirus. But if you listen to every episode, you know that the number one comorbidity is obesity, right? And so 94% of the people who have died of coronavirus have had some comorbidity, whether it's asthma, obesity, diabetes, um, you know, some other autoimmune deficiency. And uh, it is quite something for politicians to continue to exercise their power by seeking lockdowns and shut-ins and restrictions and making people's businesses illegal and not letting them go to church when not the vast majority, when almost everyone who has died of coronavirus has had some comorbidity linked to that. And so we've been saying all along, a lot like the governor of Florida. If you're a little bit older, if you've got one of these comorbidities, you know maybe you ought to self-isolate, take the social distancing a little more seriously, don't travel, where you'll be necessarily uh, tucked in with someone. Don't go to uh, any gathering of people that's particularly large. Get yourself tested maybe a little more frequently. All of those things can be done without taking the other you know, vast majority of Americans and subjecting them to these conditions of economic malaise, social discord, and, and other uh, problems that have arisen from the coronavirus that we've documented, from mental health, uh, challenges, to drug abuse, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, really negative impacts when you've got these pervasive wide-scale lockdowns. Now, this is not to say that you know coronavirus is not real or that it's not very worthy of our consideration. To the contrary, a lot of people do have comorbidities. You know, there are a lot of people who are obese, who have asthma, who have other concerns that ought to be in the front of their mind when considering their cleanliness, their interactions with others, and their strategy to confront the virus. But each and every person does not need to have the same strategy to confront the virus. And I think that if we look at this data, we'll be well informed, and I think we'll be, I think, in a better position to make policy decisions to spark the great American revival uh, that we need to return to the economic uh, activity, the production activity, uh, the trade activity that puts our people and our country first. Guy Benson is a Fox News contributor and a friend of his got a note from a neighbor. Now, Guy's friend had simply put out a Trump-Pence 2020 sign in their yard. And so for the grave offense, of having a Trump sign in in their yard, this is the note that they got from their neighbor. It is amazing. Dear neighbor, thank you for proudly and prominently displaying your signs of political support. These symbols make it impossible for us to ignore how you truly feel about us as your neighbors. They make abundantly clear to those of us who are women, people of color, immigrants, and those who may worship or love differently from you that you simply don't care about us at all. We know that in our times of need, if we are scared or hurting, we cannot turn to you for help because you hold no charity or grace in your heart for us. You make it clear by these signs that you neither respect us as humans nor believe we are entitled to equal protections and rights under the laws of this country. You do not believe that we deserve life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness, that we are not really Americans to you simply because we may not look like you or share your beliefs. So again, thank you for showing us the prejudice and hate that truly fills your heart and telling us so proudly that although we may be your neighbor, we are not equally yours. Sincerely, your neighbors who dare to be different. And then as if that were not enough, they have, P.S. If you believe yourself to be a Christian, which we also assume is likely, Thank you for further proving that you do not hold true con- Christian values or follow the teachings of Christ, who preached love and acceptance for all neighbors. We sure hope you enjoy the heat. Condemned to hell by your neighbors who say that they are certain that, I, that you have hate in your heart and prejudice, that you don't care if they have life. That you wouldn't extend them grace in time of need merely because you are showing political support for the president and vice president of the United States. Give me a freaking break. Also, how in the hell is someone to presume to know your faith just because you have a Trump sign? And while it's true that there are a lot of Christians who support the president, I know plenty of people who are Jews, who hold no faith at all, who have a variety of different beliefs, who also support the president. It's, I would say, pretty bigoted to just assume that because someone is a Trump supporter, they aren't necessarily hateful or unkind or ungracious or that they have any negative views to their neighbors. So it is just like the most passive aggressive snowflake thing in the world to castigate someone just because they have a political sign in their yard. And it tells us where we are in our politics today. You know, it used to be the case that the left claimed that they were like the great defenders of free speech and the exchange of ideas. Political speech is the most protected speech in our country. And it's not offensive to put up a yard sign for the president of the United States to your neighbors. And the fact that now the new like organizing mental doctrine of the left is that like if you happen to support Trump, if you happen to back his policies or his candidacy, then you are necessarily a bigot and a racist and a horrible person. That leads to this cancel culture. That erodes our American values and ideals. And I sure hope that we can be a little more neighborly despite our politics and our imperfections. The peace deal and the normalizing of diplomatic relations between Israel and the United Arab Emirates is really creating some concrete result. It's not just an on-paper deal. Uh, it's leading to better commerce, better trade. Uh, you've already seen the UAE team uh, start to set up their footprint in Israel so that diplomatic relations can exist in real time and in person to the greatest extent possible. And BBC's got the story, the first flight from LAL Airlines from Israel to the United Arab Emirates has landed, and it just is true throughout human history that societies that engage in trade, engage in commerce, travel to one another, work with one another, are less likely to go to war with one another. Less war in the Middle East is obviously good for America, it's good for our ally Israel, and it's great to see the historic deal between the UAE and Israel creating these results, creating this travel, and hopefully creating a safer and more peaceful world. Adele, the singer, is now a cultural appropriator. That's right, Breitbart has the story. Adele apparently wore a bikini with the Jamaican flag along with uh, some sort of dreadlock cornrow situation in her hair and also a... uh, big, like Jamaican looking feather plume over it. You'll have to check it out on the link on our social media. But if you don't know what a cultural appropriator is, that is someone who, I guess, wears the clothes, adopts the culture, uh, engages in some sort of s- signal of the culture of someone uh, without the Woketopians uh, blessing you with a sufficient amount of of credibility or understanding or background in that culture to be able to do so. So I think like the first time I learned of cultural appropriation, it was the story where uh, a girl wore a beautiful Chinese dress uh, to prom and posted pictures of that on social media and then was lamb blasted for Chinese cultural appropriation. I mean, I don't know. I I went to Florida State University, a college where a white boy rides around in an Indian headdress uh, and then throws a flaming spear into the 50-yard line to start football games. Uh, that was not cultural appropriation. It was something that, frankly, the Seminole Indian tribe took a great deal of pride in. They, they made the clothing and the wardrobe. Um, they uh, engage in commerce and partnership with the university on health care, on uh, cultural preservation, on a variety of other things that I think enrich the connection with the Seminole Indian tribe and Florida State. Uh, but in this particular case, when it is a fellow woke topian like Adele getting busted for cultural appropriation, it really raises this dynamic. You now have in the like, world of political correctness these witch hunters, right? Like they've, they've got to go out and find people who are violating the unwritten rules of political correctness and they have, they have to hunt them. And eventually, there are more witch hunters than there are witches. Right. And so you've got to sort of drown people all the same because you've got an objective to demonstrate your wokeness by being critical of someone else's relative lack of wokeness. And so here, Adele, not a conservative, not a supporter of the president, but under fire from her fellow Woketopians because of the Jamaica bikini, the plume and the cornrows. Be best, everyone. I, I guess that's my advice to Adele and all those criticizing her. Thanks for listening to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates, And we're closing in on 2,000 ratings on Apple iTunes. So give us a hand. Give us that five-star rating. Help our content reach more folks. Make sure you're subscribed so that each and every day you can join us for more Hot Takes.